Hi again, everyone, and welcome to episode 41 of Three Point Podcast. Three guys from mid-Michigan, three generations, and triple the takes. I'm Ted Fatel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio. On the phone is Matt Burns of ESPN and Jared Fatel of Fox 17 in Grand Rapids. Our partners tonight include the Corona Public Schools, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, and our podcast recording home, Z92.5 The Castle. We really appreciate the support and comments coming at us on our Twitter site at Three Point Pod. And also, thanks for subscribing on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. Well, it's just the three of us this week, boys, and we have plenty to discuss with college football and the Spartans and Wolverines, the NFL and the Lions with a big win over the Packers, and a lot more. Where do you want to start? You have to start with college football, right, with uh, game day heading to Ann Arbor this weekend? Yeah, I'm liking that. I mean, they're going to be there bright and early. Uh, I don't know where they're going to be headquartered. I'm, I imagine just inside the gates. It's going to be electric, as Jared would say. See, but my only complaint, man, you saw me tweet this at you. Like, that's that's the best game they could find. Michigan, Wisconsin. I don't know. Like, that just yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a... the greatest slate this weekend. There, there are a few games that are good. There, uh, Washington, Oregon is playing. But like I said in reply to your tweet, you know, game day. They always try to pay, like, one visit to the West Coast, to a Pac-12 school, because it's just a weird time, you know, being three hours behind. So they already went to Oregon once this year. Um, LSU, Georgia plays, but that game's on CBS. So a lot of times it's, it's not that game day won't go to a site that's a CBS game, but they try to avoid it because that's them just basically giving CBS four hours of top-notch premier promotion for a game that's not on an ESPN network. Oh, you got to butter that, your Those were really the other two games that were likely. So, so yeah, I mean, Michigan, Wisconsin, they they get a uh, they get game day. So, this is kind of this is like a classic uh John Patel like lawn day. Like if I was back at home, you know what I'd be doing all Saturday until the Michigan game, it would be lawn work. <laughs> We'd pull in, he would just come up with jobs, random jobs. This is kind of like and this is also I got a few of these actually to throw out there. So, this is like the apple picking for the Burns family. Make some uh, caramel apple mules. I saw those. How did those taste, by the way? Was it caramel apple mules? No, not caramel apple, just apple cider mules. They were amazing. Sounds Moscow good. mules are our favorite drink. They were the signature drink at our wedding. It was the first like mixed drink that my wife and I had like when we started dating. So there's there's a little uh, significance there for us. But but yeah, we started making apple cider mules, and I would highly recommend them. Not that I would know anything about that, but <laughs> right, I would guess right, right. that Moscow mules are pretty good. Oh. And then this, but, but this is also to wrap it up. This is kind of like a Ted uh, Fatel boat day. Okay, spend it out on the boat. Uh, you know, the pontoon. Yeah, you got that right. I mean, and especially the weather here today. I mean, we're in the mid-80s today. The boat's still in the water. I got it out last night, but it's coming out tomorrow or Thursday to get winterized, unfortunately. Oh, yikes. You know what I found out, unfortunately? My moped. We're getting on a real, I'm getting on a real tangent here, but my <laughs> moped, uh, it's been getting in the shop, getting fixed for the last, like, two months. Right. They just, they, we, they were, we were waiting on a part, and this is how they always screw you at these stupid shops. So it costs, like, 100 bucks just to get it checked in. Right. And they, for the longest time, we were, I was waiting on a part that they said they were getting from California. Well, they just called me and said, oh, yeah, we don't have that part. So you got to come pick it up. hundred bucks. Flush. Not fixed. Yeah. but So that was bad news today. But I got to tell you guys, I'm in a really good mood as of late. And you know why that was? Matt, I th- you want to take a guess? I can tell you. Go ahead, Matt. Did you get laid finally? <laughs> We can we can edit that out. Uh, no, I don't know why you're in such a good mood. What's going on? <laughs> I say leave it in. No, yeah, that was, that was a good one. Uh, I did not. It was actually 
MSU lost again. I knew that was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I figured that's why. I didn't. That was a great zing. That, hold on, you guys just kind of talked a little. I got to recover from that one. <laughs> well, we were starting to lead into uh, the big house, Wisconsin, Michigan, seven thirty on uh, Saturday night. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Now, I, I was trying to follow along some of your tweets earlier, Matt, about the uh, pom pom situation. What, what's the deal with that? Yeah, actually, I I remember hearing this a few years ago, but I, I forgot that the 2011 Notre Dame game was the first under the lights game for Michigan. And I don't know if you guys remember, they had the yellow pom poms for that, and right. it, I don't, it looked really cool on TV. You know, just the bright maze washing out the whole stadium. It was really cool. But since then, the Big House or Michigan, whatever, they've went green at the Big House, so they they try to you know, be zero waste or try to eliminate as much waste as they can. So they won't provide pom-poms like that um, for the student or for the whole stadium because because of the zero waste policy that they have now. So I think I, I saw that they're going to give out towels, I think, to the student section, but they got to figure something out because, you know, you see Penn State Beaver Stadium when they do the whiteout and when, what that looks like on TV, especially at night, it just looks so cool. And it's, it's a good environment to, to play in, I'd imagine, for the players. So I, I hope they figure something out for the big house. Oh, I mean, they'd be crazy not to. I, I like the idea of the towels. Every seat should have a, a Michigan version of a terrible towel sitting on it for every patron that shows up. I think that'd be awesome. That would be. And, I mean, you know, that that's something that people would take home. So, like, if you're looking to eliminate the waste, you know, people aren't really going to take a pom-pom home prob- probably. But, yeah, a towel, they'll take home. And, you know, so they're not wasting the towel. But I think it would be cool. That would be just uh, – what are your guys' thoughts on just Michigan night games overall? I kind of feel like they're never really, like, as hype as you kind of expect them to be. Other than that first Under the Lights game, I, I would say they've been kind of disappointing for, like, a crowd factor. Like, we saw it last year. Wasn't MSU a night game last year? Yeah, I, I kind of follow where you're going, Jared. These night games that Michigan plays, they're a little bit scary, and they don't seem to always have their A game going, do they? It is strange because, I mean, I, well, the 2011, like we just said, was the first official night game at the Big House, so they haven't been doing it for very long. So maybe they're still working out the kinks or something. But, but yeah, it does seem to have a little different of a feel than – you know, like Death Valley, uh, LSU Stadium, or like Beaver Stadium for Penn State. Yeah, and it has gotten better there since they added on the uh, the, the boxes upstairs. It kind of keeps the, the noise in a little bit better than it used to be. And a night game, maybe it won't be the old stodgy uh, people that sit on their hands. It might be more of a festive party atmosphere in the big house, and the crowd might get into it. And if it's a close game, maybe they'll stay into it the entire way. Well, yeah, it's just funny to, to like to bring it up to the point about the, the fans you always hear about Michigan fans not, not being the best or whatever. And, I, yeah, I do think since adding the new suites, that has helped keep the sound in. But I, I read uh, it was on, like, MGO blog. It was a blog about the last game that they tried to do a maze out and get everyone to wear a maze, that they had a lot of people at the gates or in, during the tailgate and everything still wearing their blue or whatever shirt they wanted to wear, saying that they weren't going to go out and buy a new shirt just because <laughs> the school wanted them to do a maze out. It's just – like I don't, I don't get that. Like, go out, go to Meyer and buy like a ten dollar right. maze shirt, and you know, make make the environment cooler for the players. Like, I just don't get the, the like the stubbornness of some of the old Michigan fans. Well, I think same people who like they yell at people when they stand up during the game. Yeah, it's those same people. Yep, and it, they're out at the tailgate. Uh, Muffy, uh, that blue doesn't match your outfit. Uh, <laughs> pour me another uh, martini. Yeah, yep. No, they. Uh... 
Well, Todd, they don't have the style like you do wearing a Hawaii Five O shirt. Oh, uh, back to the Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> I, I well, if, it was, if it was like a maize and blue Hawaiian shirt, that would be awesome. That would be real sweet. Have you you've seen the guys wearing the Zubaz uh, sweatpants, right? The maize. And oh blue? yeah, those were great when I was growing up. I still got a classic pair at home. What the heck are, are Zubas? Are those, were those like the style back in the day or something? Uh, how would you describe it, Matt? I mean, kind of like a like a crazy zebra print, yeah, I guess, yeah. maybe? Kind of like the Lions pair I have. It's kind of a zebra print in uh, Honolulu blue and silver. Yeah, they were pants. I think they even ended up getting, like, shirts or hats or something. They they were really cool back in the day. They're pretty nasty now, but they were cool in the day. <laughs> so let me ask you guys, so how do you see Michigan's there currently favored by seven? Mm-hmm. How do you guys see this game, like, actually going down? Honestly, I... <laughs> I don't want to be too confident going in because you never know how Michigan's going to come out. But I think Michigan should win this game. I think they're definitely the better team. Wisconsin's run game with Jonathan Taylor's their running back, I mean, he's legit. He's a Heisman Trophy candidate. He could win the Heisman if he ends up having a better year. But he he is legit, and with the injuries that Michigan has on the defensive line, I think that's like the only problem that Wisconsin could give to Michigan because – I think in the passing game, Michigan will do fine defensively. So it would just be if all of a sudden Wisconsin's run team, they go for like 300 yards rushing or something. Yeah, this is a, this is a, I'm very nervous with this game. Like, I honestly could see Michigan coming out and rolling them. And I, but I honestly do think that this is going to be like a 13 to 10, like 10 to 7 game. Yeah, and I think, I think that seven point spread, boy, that's a, that's, that's right where it needs to be, I think. That's a tough one. You could go either way with that, couldn't you? Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a classic uh, stay away. I feel like whatever I would bet would be wrong. But uh, what do you guys think of, like the Maryland game overall? I actually missed it. I was on my way back home from a wedding, so I wasn't able to see it. So something that I did see from this like Maryland Michigan game that people are kind of like the tide's starting to turn on. Like people are starting to trust Shea, and I believe I actually trust in Shea Patterson. But the thing I still don't quite think we're there yet is the running game. Like, it's people are starting to call, like, Karan Higdon, like, the bell cow back, like, that he's dominating. He's really not. He's just getting so many carries. It's kind of like me in high school. Like, we ran the option. I was slower than hell. Matt, you never really saw a game. Uh, my Uncle Ted can probably uh, second that. But it was just because, like, I, because we ran the option, like, Kordak, you just happened to get, like, a lot of carries. So your stats look good. Like, that's just what you get with Karan Higdon here. Like, 25 carries for 103 yards. Like, I just worry when. We, we kind of have a tendency to, like, when we go against a lesser team, we just run the ball all the time, like Michigan, whereas we don't wear – and it just doesn't translate to when we play a good defense. Like, a, we're, what we're going to see this weekend was with Wisconsin or when we play Michigan State, we a good defense – where we are not going to be able to run the ball like that because we just don't have the we just don't have the talent. Well, I is think what I'm getting to. Here, here's what I think: Higdon is not the kind of back that we're used to seeing for years at Michigan, but I think I think he could really break out in these next few games. And I think the key to that is going to be the offensive line. I think they're playing with some confidence now. They're doing a pretty good job, and I, I really like the job that uh, Harbaugh and his staff is doing as far as calling the plays, mixing it up. I mean, Patterson's playing real well, looks comfortable. It's surprising to me. I've heard. Some old-timers saying, oh, I don't really like the way he's playing. I, I don't know what games they're watching, but he he's throws the ball sweet, and he's mixing it up to his tight ends, his fullbacks. I mean, right now I like everything I see on that offense for the most part, other than your point is well taken. Higdon is not your guy that you can just continually pound the ball with. You do, you do have to mix it up. Yeah, I definitely think I, I definitely agree. Shea Patterson is – 
he's showing us what all the hype was about. I mean, he, he needs to win. These next three games are going to be big. He needs to win these games. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, Harbaugh has kind of let him loose a little bit. They're rolling him out. You know, he, he made some, like, kind of Johnny Football-type plays, like extending plays, throwing on the run. So he, he's showing us what all the hype was about. I am a little – like, I'm curious to see our run game against a very good defense because, you know, the last – Actually, Maryland's run defense is pretty good, and we, we ran the ball pretty well. But I, I'm curious to see our run offense against a, a better defense, I guess is what I'm saying. Because, yeah, I do miss the days of uh, Chris Perry and Anthony Thomas and guys like that yeah. that could just tote the rock for like 35 carries a game. But the final score in the Michigan game against Maryland, it was pretty uh, indicative of the kind of Michigan teams we have seen in the past. Would you agree with that? Dominant defense and, and still uh, up, offense. Still put up over 40 points. You know, of course, seven of those came on the defensive side of the ball, but still, they're playing they're playing well. The only thing that yeah, the only thing that worries me is they keep starting slow. Right. It's just and you guys know my brain is wired. I just think of MSU and just a slow start. The crowd gets into it at uh, Spartan Stadium. Like I just I, that really worries me. So I think that's something that they need to jump out the gates against Wisconsin. And can I give you guys like my like wet dream of what would be like the perfect scenario for me against Michigan State? I just keep looking ahead to that game. What this offense needs to really like break out, like Tariq Black needs to come back. So if we just hold on, like even if he was healthy this week, I would just hold him out of the game. Like save him for MSU. Kind of like I remember we unveiled like Jabril, Jabril Peppers at, at Wildcat quarterback uh, against MSU a couple years ago. Save it for Michigan State. Kind of like how they save basically their whole playbook for Michigan, which is why they end up, like we saw this weekend, losing to Northwestern and uh, Arizona State and teams that aren't very good because they just they put all their bowls or all their chips into the Michigan basket. Yeah, I'm going to throw out one quick stat before we move on to Michigan State. I just, I just came across when I was looking stuff up. Wisconsin's pass defense gave up about 400 passing yards to Nebraska, the same passing offense that Michigan only gave up 93 yards to. So uh-huh. I think that, that might be where uh, Shea Patterson might be able to show up a little bit against Wisconsin's defense. But, but yeah, we'll see. I Like you said, this this is going to be a breakout game for either Michigan or, Mich- or Michigan or Wisconsin. I, I, I could see the writing, like you said, Matt, where on a national audience, Shea Patterson comes out college game day and just has himself like a Heisman-like performance. I'd love it. I'd love it. I hope we win by like 30. <laughs> yeah, baby. Go blue. Well, let's segue to Michigan State. What do you think about that? I mean, they're coming off a loss. Uh, they haven't really played overly well this season, and now with two losses, I'll tell you what, the true Spartan fan is coming out. I don't know if you've been seeing the tweets out there or some of the other stuff, but uh, the, the, the natives are restless over there in East Lansing right now. I know you guys, we, you saw the tweets, and I don't know if you actually listened to Mike Valenti. You know, he's one yes. of the, the radio guys in Detroit, and he, I mean, he's a Michigan State guy. He's, he's a huge Michigan State fan. Um, I mean, he went to Michigan State, and he came out, and even today, yesterday he went on a big rant against Mark D'Antonio in Michigan State. Today he kind of did again because D'Antonio had a presser today, and, and he kind of just said typical D'Antonio stuff. But, but, yeah, I don't know, like some Sparty fans and even – like the biggest Sparty Slappy of them all, Mike Valenti is starting to question Mark D'Antonio. Uh, I don't know what you guys think, but, I mean, they had a bad season two years ago. They won 10 games last year. They're not looking very good this year, but if Michigan State beats Michigan, they're all going to be right back on that bandwagon. Well, without a doubt. And, that, and that's what kind of, like, it, it always feels good to watch Michigan State go down. <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong. But what bothers me is, like, because now Michigan State, they got Penn State this week. If they're rolling into Michigan week, it's just like it turns into an, like a lose lose for Michigan. 
Like, we beat them, like, yeah, we're expected to beat them. Like, they're not that good this year. And if we lose, like, it's just the classic, like, heel that MSU always is to Michigan where they beat us. They always beat us. If they lose this week, they'd be 3-3 three and three going into the Michigan game. So you know that that Michigan game would be their Super Bowl. Could you imagine if a 3-3, three and three, say Penn State whoops on Michigan State this weekend, so everyone's really down on them. They're 3-3 three and three going into the Michigan game. And if they happen to pull off a win against Michigan, oh my God, it would be there'd be Michigan State stuff all over the state. Everyone would be dusting off all their Michigan State hats, and they they would have won the national championship. You'd think. I'd be really worried about Jared if that scenario happens. That's all I got nope. to say. <laughs> it, I, I put all, like I, I might call it sick to uh, the <laughs> podcast. If, we, if they if they lose that game, you guys might have to host it. Just the two of you. It would. It's not good. But so back to I kind of I don't want to. Uh, gloss over my euphoric moment. Uh, I mean, you only get so many chances to dance at Michigan State's grave. Well, it's not necessarily the grave. Like I said, we got to beat them. <laughs> like we keep circling this dang topic. It just we need to beat them. My big takeaway from this game was, and this is kind of like the thing that's been Michigan State's been like a rallying cry, like the no fly zone. Have you guys noticed that? Like ever since their team, like three or four, or what was that? Like 2012 when they beat Russell Wilson, or when they won 2012 when they won the Rose Bowl. Like yeah, it was like Darquez, Denard, and those guys. Right. Yeah, and that's just what, because like even at the Michigan, when I was covering the Michigan State Central game, like the guys that I was, there's like the whole camera crew, you basically follow each other from end to end, like recording, and this guy, every time like Michigan State had an interception or like a deflection, like he would talk, like say to me like, no fly zone, and like it was kind of like I mentioned last week where I was like, yeah, not in agreement, and then like just be absolutely disgusted in my head. <laughs> he gave up 373 yards and three touchdowns to Northwestern. And, and it just, I immediately thought of that guy who kept making that no fly zone comment. Like, yeah, the no fly zone, I think it's time to retire it forever. Like, it's not here, hasn't been that way since 2012. Your defense is not very good against the pass, apparently. Northwestern quarterback in the Michigan State game, I watched all the game. Uh, he looked like an All American. He looked really good. Was that because Michigan State's defense was playing so bad? There's a lot to that, probably. Yeah, I think he's good. I think he's a solid quarterback, but, I mean, he's not. He's not going to be all Big Ten quarterback, you know. So Michigan State's run defense is legit. They're really good. Uh, but their pass defense is, I mean, it's trash. I mean, they, they gave up over 300 yards passing, and they haven't played Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State yet. So they're yet to play the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten, and they're still giving up 300, 350 yards passing or something in the game. So, so yeah, the, the whole no-fly zone thing, I think it's I think it's time to put that up on the shelf. It's funny that everybody's uh, down on their offense. I mean, everybody wants their offensive coordinator canned. Uh, look what happened at Oklahoma. That probably would never happen for D'Antonio until at least after the season, right? No, and that's, I mean, that's one of the things that Valenti and his rant, he talked about, and you, you, you hear it a lot whenever you follow Michigan State and their coaching staff and everything, that D'Antonio's almost loyal to a fault to his guys because he... He hires these guys like they're friends, almost like as a favor sometimes, and it's clear that their their coaching staff isn't up to par with the rest of the Big Ten. So I don't know if they would make a change in season or what, but, yeah, their offense, as much as people rip on Harbaugh and Michigan for kind of being a little behind the times of the offense, Michigan State's is even worse. You, Matt, you just gave a lot of bulletin board material. Good. I hope I did. To, so they were, like, decimated by injury, which is just – this is exactly what plays into the Michigan. Like everyone's going to return. Like LJ Scott's going to return against Michigan. Like they're literally they're running back without LJ right now is Ladarius Jefferson, who was a quarterback at Muskegon last year. Like that's literally the next man up on your rotation as a quarterback in high school. 
And but let me just say this: Would any of you guys be surprised if they go out and just beat Penn State this weekend? No, because that's the kind of garbage that D'Antonio pulls. I mean, he'll have these teams that have no no reason to be beating Ohio State or Penn State or Michigan sometimes, and they do because I do still think he's a good coach. I think he can get his guys rallied. He plays that whole no respect and chip on the shoulder thing, and he gets his guys rallied. So, so yeah, who knows? But. I'd be real surprised because yeah. Trace McSorley, he might he might torch him. I was going to say the same thing. I, I don't think the Spartans are going to win this week, and partly because some of the some of their minds are going to be looking a week ahead to Michigan too. They can't help it. Oh, you know, yeah, because they're already kind of having a, a little bit of a down season. They could still finish well if they go on a run, but it's not looking like they're going to. So, yeah, they're. I would think they're looking ahead to schedule the next week. Yeah, I would think so. I, that's a good point, but I don't. it's kind of hard to – Penn State is coming for because we did see Penn, them beat Penn State last year. And if they can beat Penn State last year when Penn State had Saquon Barkley and, you know, Mike Gusecki and all these other studs, I don't – I mean – They know what's still a front in front of them and playing there in Happy Valley. I, I don't see any way the Spartans win this game. I uh, Are you right on that, that it's at Michigan – it's at uh, Penn State? It's at Penn State. Yeah, that definitely actually changes it a lot in my brain. I thought for sure this was a Michigan State home game. No, so, that's yeah, Penn at least it's 3.30, so it's not that night game environment at Beaver Stadium. But, but no, I mean, Penn State's offense, I don't, I don't know if they might be able to – Michigan State might be able to hold their Penn State's run game down, but at Trace McSorley, he might throw for 400 yards. Who knows? Yeah, he's damn good. He is good. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. Like, I, I'm curious how long if, – if this trend continues, you know, I don't think Michigan State's just going to, like, go away. I think they're always going to – be there, be in the hunt, be solid, you know, whatever you want to say. But I'm curious, like, if they continue to be seven, eight wins, how long do you think Michigan State, like their faithful, their boosters, you know, whatever you want to say, will continue to support Mark D'Antonio? Because, I mean, he won a Big Ten, he made a playoff, but they got absolutely trounced by Alabama. Looked like they shouldn't have even been in the game. And, you know, not like he's won national championships like Izzo. Izzo's going to be there for the rest of his life as long as he wants to be. But how long do you think the leash is for D'Antonio? I, I think it's just like Izzo's, honestly, man. I think he's going to be there for the – if he wants to be there for the rest of his life, he's going to be there for the rest of his life. I think so, too, in the scenario you painted there. If he wins eight – if he gets eight wins a year, eight, nine wins a year, every once in a while sniffs on a Big Ten championship, he's there as long as he wants to be. Yeah, there'll be people that'll be wanting him out of there. But I think uh, I think he's there as long as it takes. I would love for them to force him out the door <laughs> to see who they would get back. I would love it. Force him out the door. <laughs> keep keep mocking him, Valenti, and keep uh, calling for their coaching like heads, and I will love every second of it because Antonio is one hell of a coach. Yes, he is. He seems like a good coach, and uh, it's a thing that I've said before. I'll say it again. And, and I mean, he has to he has to prove me wrong. Basically, I, I just keep thinking that. This run that he was on, you have to give him credit for winning the games. They won these games. They won the Big Ten. They beat Ohio State a few years ago in the Big Ten Championship to go to the playoff. So you have to give him credit for all that. But he he's doing this run, or he had this run, when Michigan was probably in its worst stretch in the history of the program. Penn State was going through all that garbage that they were going through, rebuilding their program with the sanctions and everything. Ohio State even had a couple years where, you know, they had Luke Fickle as a coach, and then they had a year where they weren't eligible for any postseason play. Uh, you know, Nebraska has been turning things around. So D'Antonio's run has been when the big boys in the Big Ten have been going through a lot of garbage. So now that Penn State's back, Ohio State obviously is back. They're one of the best teams in the country. Michigan's looking like Harbaugh's got it turned around. 
you know, is Michigan State going to stick around or what? ESPN, Matt, right on the money, man. Good take there. I like that. <laughs> I like how you're thinking. Yeah, I mean, that's, you have to give them credit because they won the games, you know. It's like people that say it's not fair what Alabama is doing. It's not Alabama's fault that no one can keep up with them. Alabama's really good. So it's not Michigan State's fault that the other programs were going through some turnaround, coaching changes, all of that. They won their games that were on their schedule. They made it to the playoff and then got beat 38-0 to by Alabama in the playoffs. So they won their games. But I think there needs to be a little perspective because Michigan was terrible, and you know, basically during during D'Antonio's run for the most part, and Ohio State had some years. Penn State, you know, like I think there needs to be a little perspective. Here's how I see uh, Mark D'Antonio, and tell me if you agree or disagree with this. You look at a program at Michigan State, and you look at a program like Iowa with friends. I look at them very similar. They they knock on the door once in a while. They're a solid winning program for most years. And, and both coaches have been there for the long term. Do you see Iowa and Michigan State similar kind of programs? Yeah, I would think that's a, a very good comparison because, yeah, Kirk Ferentz, is, he's one of the best coaches in the country. Yeah, he doesn't have a national championship, but everyone knows his pedigree. You're going to get eight wins a year at least with Iowa, and then, right, sprinkle in 10, 11 every few years, and that's probably what Michigan State is. And I think D'Antonio having some success early, beating Michigan State or beating Michigan consistently, making the playoffs—it's almost like it gave their fans unrealistic expectations. Kind of, kind of like when Brady Hoke won the Sugar Bowl in his yeah. first year. Okay, but Matt, let me. Okay, Devil's Advocate. I never thought I would be on the Michigan State side of things, but they. Okay, they've won. A, it's not like they've only dominated in the Big Ten in this kind of run. Or I don't even know if dominated is right, but when they've had their winning seasons, I mean, you saw it. And it's plagued me, and I hated it. But when they beat Stanford, I thought it was the worst coach game ever by Stanford. But they beat a Stanford power in the Rose Bowl, and then they went and beat Baylor the very next year. So it's just, I mean, they're, although it, I, I understand, I actually agree with your point that the Big Ten is not as strong as it is now. But overall, I just kind of think you can't t- discredit what they've done. Yeah, they've won some big games. The bowl games, yeah, they've won the big games. Yeah, Other than see, the no, they, that's what I mean. They did win some big games. The, the year they went to the playoff, they beat Ohio State, the Big Ten Championship, so a huge game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they, they did. They, they won some big games, but it was clear in that playoff, like when they went up against a legit opponent in Alabama, they got just run off the field. So I, I think they benefited from playing in a time when the, the big boys in the Big Ten were a little down. Yeah, they did, but, I mean, and, and it's, I feel like Alabama's just not a fair. I, I mean, they're, they're, Alabama's going to route basically everybody, I feel like. So I loved it. I mean, you got I love it every time Michigan State meets up with Alabama. It's been twice. They've got blown out twice. But I just I don't think that's a good measuring stick. Michigan could go into East Lansing next week, and Michigan State could beat them. Yeah, uh, right. like I, you know, exactly. you never know how that game's going to go. It's, I know one thing though. We're all three going to be tuned in intently for that. Did yep. you see that it was a noon kick? Did you guys see that? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking, that's rough. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I love it. Heck yeah, let's, let's get right to it. I don't want to sit around all day and wait for it. Absolutely not. Let's just watch game day and let's have some football, right? I would rather have 3.30. I think 3.30 is the perfect time. But you guys are on the noon kick, huh? For that game, I am. The weather will be decent, should be decent. and You guys are showing your age. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, speaking of age, I used to love noon kicks in college because we would go tailgate, whether it was in Ann Arbor or East Lansing, tailgate. Watch the game at noon. You can take a look, nice a little nap around three thirty four, and right. get get geared up for for the night. I like those noon kicks for that reason. What do you got, that, Jared? Like that's kind of how I always put it down on paper. You know how that always goes for me. I take a nap and then I wake up with a huge headache and oh. then I call it a night. <laughs> <laughs> you, call, you go. You order some Jamie Johns and call it a night. <laughs> yeah. 
some uh, Cottagen. Cottagen is like the all the rave up here. Oh, Cottagen's what you, what you, That's good stuff. Cottagen is so good. People badmouth it here is what I've noticed. And that's when I realized I was from a place that had like no food like options because like I think Cottagen is like gourmet pizza, and they hate it up here. They hate it? They hate it. It's looked down upon. It's like wow. It's like a Little Caesars to them. Yikes. I feel like and when I'm, I was at Grand Valley, it was all about Pepinos. Is that still a thing? Yeah, Pepinos is still a big thing. It's Pepinos and Cottagen. And then, you know, and kind of something funny that's, like, big news and, and just kind of, like, just shows how small of a town, like, Corona is and kind of the way we are. Like, the fact that they put a Culver's in, it's, like, been, like, front page news on Facebook for the last, like, five years. <laughs> yeah, I had a laugh about that myself. <laughs> See, I was going to ask you this, actually. Is that your kind of, like, your big weekend plans? You're going to go down to... Go oh, down to the Culver's. Down to Culver's? No. Yeah. I'm, I'm somewhat cultured. I've been to Culver's before. <laughs> oh, those butter burgers are good, though. Oh, they're good. They're good. But, you know, lo- like Jared see, like, said, it's Corona getting all geared up for this I place. I joke, but I kind of am. Like, I'm 100% in on this. I was I, I was absorbing all the news. Like, I can't say that I didn't participate. I didn't post anything about it, but I was, I was reading it all. <laughs> Speaking of food, it's a good spot to... Uh, talk about one of our partners rivals tap house and grill that's uh, the local spot here in the corona nawaso area where you can catch up with all your friends watch your favorite sporting events including michigan michigan state they have weekly food and drink specials including awesome burgers wings and pizza along with homemade soup and salad that's rivals tap house and grill located on the corner of shiawassee at m21 in corona they stepped up in a big way last uh, saturday too boys that was supposed to be uh the big uh, corona athletic hall of fame golf outing it was like a monsoon here. They had to uh, they had to cancel the golf outing, so uh, people went to Rivals, did some cornhole playing, and uh, had all their raffles and giveaways there. So the good folks at Rivals stepped up big time. Nice. I, I was I saw it got canceled. I was wondering what they did with it. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. You got to do something with it, right? But it would have been absolutely horrendous trying to golf last Saturday. It was terrible. I can't. I can't. It's not. It's not. See, my only complaint, and I'll just. This is kind of I'll feel this right to uh, the superintendent of schools. Yeah, is it's not golf season. You know, you gotta ha- schedule this event for the summertime. It's hit and miss. I mean, some fall golf, it, it's hit and miss. I mean, a lot of fundraisers they do schedule in September, October. Uh, because the the league season is done and you know the the crowd is a little bit down. But I agree with you. It was it's it was hit and miss, and it definitely missed. <laughs> yeah, I mean in Michigan, you can always if it's not raining, you can play golf in a hoodie or you know a jacket and pants. Right. Well, boys, uh, any more in college football, or we want to move over to pro football? I was going to ask you guys. We were talking about food a lot, and uh, you know, we talk about the pizza, Culver's, you know, whatever. Do you guys use? Uh, I'm sure Jared does, but Ted, or I mean, do you guys use services like Foodsbee or or Grubhub or anything like that? I, I do not. I'm aware of it. I've been uh, like when we're down in Indianapolis, they have a delivery service that's pretty popular down there. Uh, but no, I I really don't. I enjoy my time in the car, so I'll usually just go go out and grab it. Okay. I, I, yeah, I, I was, I was just thinking though. about it. Like I've, I've talked to some of my friends about this before. We used to kind of do that in college, and we've said like if we would have like actually turned this into a business, we would be the people like running all this right now because we used to like if one of us got off work late or something we'd go to a party and before you know when we could still be the designated driver we'd like ask people hey everyone throw in a few bucks i'll I'll run to burger king i'll run to taco bell get everyone some food i'll come back and then everyone's got food that's basically what those services are and we're like man if we would have like actually thought about it as a business back then we'd be millionaires well what do they call it what do they call it down there where you're at matt what's the go-to uh, foods being Grubhub are the big ones down here. You all know my big like, idea. It's not going to make me any money, but 
what I'll do is I'll get uh, the two for six from Burger King, and then I'll get the McDonald's fries. So. I've, I've done that before myself. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it the same same Burger King and McDonald's mix? Or? Yeah, it is. The, I usually go for a Whopper and uh, the McDonald's fries. I, my go-to go spots in Perry. They're right next to each other. Yeah, that's not that great of an idea then. Apparently everybody does well, that. Well, I not, thought I was alone in my weirdness with that move. Well, yeah, you know, if I was going along with it, it's got to be something wacky there, right? Uh, yeah. So, Jared, Dad, do uh, you know that Burger King that's on the end of 48th Street? Yeah. <laughs> this is like back in my day. When, when I first started at Grand Valley, that was like the only fast food restaurant around campus. Unless you started, unless you like went down towards downtown, there was like the Pepinos in Allendale, but that Burger King was that got like everyone's late night business because that was the only spot to go. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is not what it's like here at all. Right. This is a very inside uh, Grand Valley chat we're having right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's just crazy how much that campus has changed. Because there really is like every food, every fa- it's like I'm in heaven up here. There's like every food joint you can think of. Well, I know we're talking Grand Valley, but we haven't had a chance really to catch up with uh, how are things going uh, in the classroom and there on campus for you. We've talked about your your, uh, your 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 sports jobs going to the big house and and going to Michigan State, but how's school going? School's uh, been going good. I mean, it's school. I, I will say this: I'm done with all my math and science classes, so like that basically makes school just a whole hell of a lot easier when I'm not doing math equations and and this is kind of something that I maybe I will regret saying. Just because, like, maybe it'll come back and bite me, like, it won't always be this way. But I kind of feel like with a paper, like, you put you put forward a little bit of effort and show that you kind of get, like, the concepts. Like, you can kind of, like, BS your way through it. Whereas, like, at a math exam, you either know it or you don't. That's true. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm in all these writing classes, which has just made it a lot easier. Uh, but overall, I mean, it's just, it's weird getting into, you know, now it's kind of like this is home. It's well, kind of weird, that's, you know? That's awesome. And, again, your time management, how has that all worked out? Because you got a couple jobs, right, <laughs> plus yeah. plus school, plus running to the fast food place. Is it all working out for you? It, it has been. I will say this. Like, I don't know how people can – people who just, like, only went to – go to college and, like, don't have a job, I don't know. Like, it just seems like – I don't – it just seems like – like, I would get bored. I don't know. Like, I just, you, you go to school, school for, like, 15 hours a week, and then you're just kind of doing nothing the rest of the time. Like, I don't know. That's kind of my takeaway with the whole time management thing. It's not that hard. Awesome. But not to sound like a hardo or anything, but you're saving time for the rec center and stay, staying in good shape, right? Yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been working out. Uh, definitely have noticed that I'm not quite in as good a shape as I was uh, <laughs> before. I've been kind of, you know, dabbling with a little bit of the intramural uh, flag football and you know uh, basketball leagues. Matt, I did see that you tweeted on. Uh, facebook that you're that you are like playing flag football now you're like ice packs and i saw that too. and, and this is what the comment i had in you i think you saw it you probably tweeted it and probably thought maybe you didn't think this but it, it, i immediately thought you would think that i was going to read that and just have kind of a snarky re- reaction to it but someone called you uh julian edelman care to like elaborate on how that happened yeah i mean so to to address the ice pack and the heat compression I mean, I'm just like sore now. I, I don't. I'm, I wasn't injured or anything. Like I had some people were like, "Are you okay?" It's not injured. It's just you guys know how it goes now. Like used to be able to play ball or like practice or whatever for three hours a night and not even phase me. But now, like I, I play one flag football game and my hammies are sore, my foot's sore, my back is stiff. So like, it's just getting old, I guess. So so cherish that young age while you can, Jared. But no, and I. 
don't want to pat myself on the back, but I had a hell of a game last night, man. I had like three touchdowns, probably like 12 or 15 catches because the quarterback that I play with, I've known him. I used to play in flag football with him up in Bristol in the ESPN league. So him and I have a good kind of rapport going, kind of like Tom Brady and Julian Edelman. So I, t- I was torching this kid that was covering me, and he just started calling me Julian Edelman because he-, he couldn't cover me. So I was like, I'll take that. Now, is this an ESPN crew you're playing with? Your yeah, team? our our team's a, it's Team ESPN. Um, it's in a YMCA league down here. Um, so we've got a good squad. Were, well, okay, so were your touchdowns, were they of the Air Force football kind or were they the regular football route running kind? Route running. It was it was more route okay. running, Julian Edelman, option routes type of thing. I basically tell the quarterback that I play with, like he'll give us plays off the wristband, but I, just, I basically freelance, find holes, and just – yeah, catch the ball. Wait, what? <laughs> it makes me like, it makes me look bands. back and be oh like, man, God. I could have wow. done this for a long time. You have wristbands? Yeah, yeah, we have wristbands. Yep. Yeah, we have to. I mean, it's, it's legit. It, it's a pretty tough league, and I mean, the the flag football league up in Bristol. That's all ESPN employees. There's like eight, usually eight teams, all ESPN. That's one of the most competitive flag football leagues I've ever played in because there's some guys that played in college. There's some guys that um, had like little cups of coffee in the NFL that play in that league. So that, that league Cut is legit. It. You have to have wristbands. But So we, we continued it down here, and it's just funny because some of the teams we play, you know, you can tell they just go out there and freelance, and we just torture them because we've, we've actually got a system. <laughs> I, I am very intrigued in this. So how is your system? Like you have like how many plays? Uh, wristband, I think probably about 16 plays, and we've got everyone's got like an assignment A through E, and before every drive, our quarterback tells you, you know, your A, your B, your C, and uh, we huddle up real quick, and he just says we're running this play. You look at your letter, and a lot of times, like I told you, because I've played with this kid for so long, you know, I, I I run my route or I just read the defense, and he just hits me a lot of times. Yeah, it's fun, man. Makes makes me like relive the glory days, you know. <laughs> that is, I I can't I don't know if I respect the hell out of that move of the wristbands or if I think that's the most like try hard thing in the world. I, I don't know. I think I'm leaning toward I respect it. <laughs> I was gonna say I like it too. I mean, I, that's that's playing the game, man. You're going you're going to play and you're going every night to win, right? Exactly. I don't want to go out there and and get sore, you know, feel feel like all hurt or whatever just to lose. I want to win. We we definitely had some people call us out like, oh, geez, look at these guys with wristbands. (laughs) Of course they work at ESPN with the wristbands. And we're like, yeah, but look at you guys running offense. You guys have no clue what you're doing on offense, whereas we have plays. (laughs) We know what we're doing. Now, Now, be honest. Are you guys the target team? You, you, oh yeah, every every league we play in because we're team like softball, basketball, flag football, even so- our soccer teams. Everyone just wants to torch us, and I, like a lot of teams, like when they score on us or if they hit a home run or whatever, then they'll do something and go din in it, din in it. Put that on top, your top ten. I like it. <laughs> exactly. No, people say that hashtag SC top ten. Let's go. <laughs> I hate to say it, time to get some real football where uh, there actually are Julian Elvins on the field, not just guys who are reliving uh, their glory days calling themselves Julian Elvins. Uh, hey, I didn't call myself fair, that. Called, Someone yeah, else be, called me that. To be fair, yeah, you were called Julian Elvins. But what is, so the thing I don't, I don't get about this whole like Lions-Packers game is people are kind of like saying that the, the Lions played really well. Like That's not what I got from this game at all. Like The Packers did not punt the ball. Packers. Like literally... Yeah, the Packers like got, statistically dominated. Exactly. It's just because, like, this kick, like, because he kept missing these kicks, which I was laughing out loud every time he missed one. I know. 
like they, we would get a short field every time, and it was just like it was like a big like it was more than count on three points. Like it gave us a short field every time, and it's still like you just saw it in the second half. Like although we took the pet like the pedal off the or our foot off the pedal a little bit, like just the Packers were a better team, and I just don't get the whole like upswing. People are now like kind of back on the Lions bandwagon. I just, it, I'm not that way at all. I usually stick to, like, you know, if, if someone misses a field goal, say that game ends up being a two- or three-point game, you know, they say, if that field goal would have been made, the game would have been completely different. I always, I always play the side of, like, you have no idea how the game is going to shake out. If a, if a field goal is made, you don't know if a team's going to take that next kickoff or a touchdown. Like, you have no idea how the game is going to play out, play out if, like, a field goal is made or missed or, you know, whatever. But when, it, when Mason Crosby misses three field goals and extra point, and like you said, Jared, giving the Lions a short field all the time, I, that definitely affected the game and missing all those field goals. Huge, huge. And then you called it last week, too, the receiving core way down. I mean, Rodgers was struggling a little bit because, you know, who was he playing out there at wide receiver? The only one I even recognized a name was Graham at tight end, but the rest of them, they're all fill-ins, aren't they? Yeah, because, I mean, Randall Cobb is kind of their, like, veteran receiver, and he's hurt. Right. So, yeah, it's just a bunch of rookies, basically, and and you could tell, I mean, Rodgers obviously is hurt. His his knee is messed up or whatever, so he's not moving that well. But you can just see, like, there's no timing. Even with Jimmy Graham, you, it seems like they're not on the same page. And, I mean, it, it's kind of a shame because even though Rodgers is hurt, he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and, and his receivers aren't giving him any help. So can I just throw out this hypothetical? So would you guys, like, would you rather have the Lions go 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven this year and miss the playoffs? And, like, you still get to enjoy their wins and kind of like the whole theater of, you know, maybe they are, maybe it's, let's say, the last game they play the Vikings or something and lose and miss, miss out on the playoffs. Or would you rather them just bottom out and lose the rest of, them, the rest of their games? And, and, and their only two wins are against Brady and Rodgers the whole year? Yeah, like, would you rather them just bottom out? If, so, say we knew they weren't going to make the playoffs anyway, but they go 9-7 and seven and you get to enjoy your Sunday, you know, say on Thanksgiving they win. Or would you rather they just lose the rest of their games and we get a higher draft pick? I'm honestly, I'm like, let's just lose the rest of our games and build for next year. I would say I would agree with that, but I don't think it'll happen. I, I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna be right there, at eight and eight or nine and seven. That's the way that this team is put together. And uh, as long as Stafford's there, uh, you know, they're not gonna, they're not gonna tank the rest of the games for sure. No, especially with the way the division is going, because I mean, the Bears right now are leading. And no one was expecting the Bears really to to win the division, and now they've got Cleo Mack, so who knows. But, I mean, the Vikings have looked up and down. Obviously, the Packers, who knows what to expect. So it's just, like, crazy to say after the Lions get torched by the Jets, lose, like, a ridiculous game against the Cowboys, that they're actually, like, in the hunt to win the division somehow. Yeah. I mean, would you have to say the Bears are the favorite at this point? I guess you have to, but, like, that's crazy to say that (laughs) because Trubisky hasn't looked all that good, and their defense is legit. But, yeah, it's crazy to say that the Bears are probably the favorite right now. Well, wait a minute. Didn't didn't he have six touchdown passes in a game? He did. Yeah, that game he was really good, yeah. (laughs) So we have two big games. Like, we obviously have a bye week this week. And then we have two very winnable games with the Dolphins and, like, the Seahawks. And if we can win both those and move to four and three – I mean, it's not time to. It's not, it wouldn't be quite time to pawn this season, but I honestly think we have to win both those games if we want to. Because if, if we're even four and five or three and four, like it's just I don't see a way in which we can 
make it a playoffs at all. But so, again, I don't really see this team making playoffs, period. So. so if they win those games, though, are you going to start sipping on the Kool-Aid? Is that what you're saying? I 100% will be. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I just took a quick peek at the schedule because I was curious who they play on Thanksgiving. Play the Bears on Thanksgiving. Oh. So that, that, is that Thanksgiving game going to like have a big impact on the division? It might. Well, you know it, especially heading into December, man. That can set the whole stage for the stretch run, right? Yeah. You're going to get my hopes up, and I don't like it. I, I know. I, I hate it because this is this is what the Lions do <laughs> every year. Even really every game, they keep you engaged just enough to stay till the last the last second of the game until like against the Cowboys they blow it. Right. Or even even this game against the Packers. I don't. They got up to what a twenty one zero or a twenty zero lead or something, and the Packers were just giving them every chance they could. But it still felt like. It felt like there was still a chance the Lions were going to blow it. I don't know what you guys were thinking the whole time. I was just thinking, like, Rodgers is all of a sudden going to throw three intercept or three touchdowns, and Stafford might throw a pick six, and the Lions are going to lose. Well, yeah. He, what, he had two touchdowns and two two-point conversions? I mean, they're starting to cut into that lead. I was getting definitely nervous. Yep. Is it bad that we? I kind of view, like, the Thanksgiving game as, like, our Super Bowl? Like, if we win the Thanksgiving game, like, it's, like, all is well with the Lions. <laughs> like, if you I mean, get it, like, it's kind of like... It might, actually, it might actually be a really big game this year, too, so, yeah, maybe. Yeah, actually, that might be my perfect scenario. Say we, I knew, like, we weren't going to make the playoffs, like, let's get some momentum rolling into Thanksgiving and then win Thanksgiving and then just, like, go on a losing streak right after that. Oh, no. If I knew we weren't going to make the playoffs, like if, if you were, if, if a fortune teller was here asking me how how do I want the season to play out if, I, if we're not going to make the playoffs, that's my perfect scenario. Well, they do. Uh, looking at the schedule, they do play the Rams the week after Thanksgiving. Mm. So how that looks right now, that might not be a pretty game. Is that a, is that on the West Coast? <laughs> that is at home. That's at Detroit. So that might help a little bit. Well, that's a bonus then. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. They, you know, they've still got a bunch of division games. They, like you said, Jared, Dolphins and Seahawks. Those are definitely winnable games. So you know what they're going to do is they're going to hang around just enough to to keep us keep the hope alive. Jared, a little word word to the wise from the old fella here. Okay. Yep. If you don't bail on the Lions now at your young age, you're going to be just like me, year in and year out, the same old story. <laughs> and look how I, old I am. See, I don't hate it. I, it's 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 the pursuit. It's not the uh, it's not the end game. It's it's the it's the journey. Okay. Isn't that the old saying for teams that just lose all the time. Well, I I like it then. You you got the right attitude there. But get used to it. It's not changing anytime soon. <laughs> I just keep thinking, one of these years, right? Yep. Well, you know, one of these years. The closest is what was it? I don't, how old were you in '92, Matt? Uh, like seven or eight. So you were just getting into watching some Lion football, right? Yeah. Oh, I definitely remember Barry. I remember that team. Barry and Eric Kramer, and they, they actually, isn't that when they last won their only playoff game? And then got Yeah, yeah they got destroyed by the Redskins. Right. They were one game away from the Super Bowl, though, right? Yeah, that was in the NFC Championship, yeah. That was, I mean, say what you will about Wayne Fonts and say what you will about the Lions, that was a quality potential Super Bowl team right there. They really were. If, if they would have had if they would have had Matt Stafford instead of Eric Kramer, and Kramer did okay, but I mean that team had a that they were Jared, they were a heck of a team. They had a heck of an offensive line, a solid defense. Barry Sanders, enough said there. That was their chance, and I don't know when we're ever going to see it again. And this team they lost they lost by by a, a lot in the 
NFC Championship. Oh, yeah. It was at Washington. They had never beaten Washington, I don't think, in Washington and just got drilled. And I, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going off memory. Didn't the Skins win the championship that year, the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah. They won the Super Bowl. They had Mark Rippon. Right. Uh, that was one of the Buffalo Bills. That was one of their Super Bowl losses. But, yeah, that, that Lions team was really good. It just went up against a better team, I guess. Yep. And in, in Washington. Yep. Tough place to play, especially in those days. Yeah, I just, whenever I think about that, I think about a team like, like just for example, like the Kansas City Royals. You know, they went so long without a championship, without being good. And then, you know, a couple years ago, they won the World Series. I thought, man, there's probably a bunch of fans who were lifelong fans that gave up on the Royals. And now they're probably trying to get back on the bandwagon because they're good again. I feel like if, if there's ever a year that I'm like, you know what, I'm done with the Lions. I, I'm not going to watch them. That's probably going to be the year they're going to make a run to the Super Bowl. Quit watching them then, will you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Any more pro football we want to talk before we get to our uh, finale? I am very much looking forward to the uh, Sunday night game this week. Uh, Patriots-Chiefs, that's going to be one hell of a game. Oh, that'll be Ooh, awesome. yeah. That's going to be some offense. Yeah, that's going to be a tremendous game. And I'll tell you, Mahomes a lot better quarterback than I ever expected. I, I, obviously not alone there. He's the real deal, and they knew what they were doing when they got rid of Alex Smith, right? I mean, it looks like it. he finally threw a couple interceptions. But, yeah, but other than that, he's been – man, he's looked real good. Speaking of quarterbacks, though, and like, did you guys see Drew Brees last night breaking the record and yeah. everything? Yeah. I'm curious where you stand. We were talking about it at work today. Do you put Drew Brees, he's won a Super Bowl, now he's got this record, he's probably going to you know, go over 500 touchdowns and everything. Does that stuff alone make him the greatest of all time to you? Not the no, co- it's Tom no. Brady. Not the greatest of all time, but definitely in that conversation as one of the all-time greats, right? Hall of Famer, first ballot, uh, without a doubt. Uh, I'm not sure where I'd put him in the top five. I, I agree with Jared. I think Brady's the man, best of all time. Um, but I'd say Brees is top five. I'm curious, just going off of your right off the top of your head, if you had to do your top five quarterbacks, who who would you go with? Oh, I'd go with uh, I'd go with uh, Brady number one, and then your pick in the next four. But I would go Unitas, Joe Montana, a Breeze would be right there, and let's who would be another one we'd want to throw in there? Maybe Marino, but he never wanted possible. Nah, he'd be just out of there, I think, for my my viewpoint. I know statistically he's there, but uh, Favre. Favre would be. I'd have Favre ahead of Marino. Um, I I I would even go back old old school. Jared, you'll laugh at this. Otto Graham for the Cleveland Browns. If you ever looked up that dude's stats, he he won like nine consecutive championships. Back when in, was this from? Like nineteen? Yeah, in the fifties. It was in the fifties, oh, okay. but yeah. still. I mean, you know. Uh, Elway. I would my top five. I don't know uh, about Elway. I would have to go Brady, uh, Peyton Manning. Oh, Peyton Manning. Uh, That's who I was Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah. He, he was okay. <laughs> and uh, Dan Orlovsky. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great analyst, by the way. I enjoy his Twitter. He's pretty good. He's a great analyst. Funny story about that. One of my buddies, uh, Jeremy Sloan, he's, he's from Michigan. He went to Ferris State, but he works at ESPN up in Bristol. He's been there for a long time. He kind of had a hand in getting Dan Orlovsky his job as an analyst because Orlovsky, the last year or two, he would just do breakdowns of games. I don't know if you ever saw, but like on Twitter, he would just take videos on his phone and do his own breakdowns of quarterbacks and then post them to his Twitter, and he kind of got like a huge following out of it because it was really good. 
my buddy Jeremy, he tipped off some, some CPs, some coordinating producers at ESPN about Dan Orlovsky and kind of helped him get a job. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, he is very good. I got I got an in-house question for you, Matt, but before I get to that, I want to tell our listeners about the Corona Connection. That's a publication founded to create a platform for Corona students here in mid-Michigan and uh, for the students to connect. View the entire Corona Connection paper online every month, both on Facebook and at coronaconnection.com, and kind of ties into that. Join the Corona Public Schools winning team today. Find out why nearly 40% make Corona their school of choice. Whether you're young or old, it's great to be gold. You probably can't really comment on this, but I know you've been following it. Uh, the Monday Night Crew, and a lot of people seem to be upset with them. They don't like them. What can you say without, you know, cutting down the company? I personally, and, and this isn't a company man comment or whatever you want to say, I like the new Monday Night Crew. I've always been a big Joe Tess fan. I mean, you know, he has that some people, like Gus Johnson, some people love Gus Johnson because of the enthusiasm. I personally don't like Gus Johnson. So some oh people have that God. feeling towards uh, Joe Tessitore. I think he's really good. Jason Witten, it's, it's his first year. So you know there's going to be growing pains or whatever you want to say. So I, I do still think he's good. But And I, I've always been a big Booger McFarland fan. So I, I personally like the Monday Night Crew. So I, I don't know what you guys think. Hold your thought, Jared. Let me throw in here first. Okay, I like Tessator as a play-by-play guy. I think he, he's fine. Okay, I think I like Booger. I like what they're doing with him. They're mixing. They're trying a few different things with him sitting out there, out in the out in the fans. Right. Yep. I like that. Uh, Witten, uh, he's the missing piece right now to me. I, okay, he's it's his first year. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that hopefully he improves. But right now, I think he's the weak link. What do you think, Jared? I, I'm. It, and it's just this is kind of how I feel with a lot of stuff. I don't know if this is how a lot of people kind of are, but when everyone's so like anti something, like it makes me think like hey, he's not that bad you know what i mean like sure. it's, it's completely overblown like Witten is not that bad he does like a fine job really and tesla store i love tesla store too he's got a big big game voice yep. is, what, is what i've heard a lot of people say about him and but matt the thing that i really took away from this whole thing is you don't like gus johnson are you insane <laughs> no i i can't i don't want to go that far i was about to say i can't stand gus johnson i'm not gonna go that far but the thing that bothers me about him is it's like he's trying trying hard to give you the most epic sock call on every play possible. It'll be the first quarter, just a standard third and long or something like that. Let's just say Shea Patterson's rolling out of bounds and he chucks the ball out of bounds. He's going to sell it like it's the game-winning touchdown pass in a national championship game. I, I kind of agree with that a little bit. I mean, I love Gus Johnson, uh, especially his early calls when he was doing NCAA tournament basketball. I thought he was phenomenal. I'm not sure how it does translate to football. I mean, I'm not a humongous fan of his on play-by-play, and it kind of goes both ways with, like, let's throw Michigan State in here. I think George Blaha is an icon when it comes to calling piston games, right? Oh, yeah. But calling Michigan State football, to me, it's a snooze fest. Touchdown, MSU! Yes. That I see. I hate to say it, but that's probably just because you are not the biggest MSU fan. You do? You it's think? like I kind of think because I kind of think that's why I like Gus Johnson so much. Because growing up, uh, one of my favorite games ever was like when Wisconsin beat Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship, and I just remember one of his calls is like Russell Wilson was like rolling around, threw it like uh, back to like a receiver corner, and he's like, oh, uh, 40 big ones, or whatever. Isn't that a saying, big ones? <laughs> That's not the best uh, Gus Johnson. I'm not an impression. No, that wasn't even close. That wasn't even close. 40 hey, it, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
no, I, Blaha, you know, yeah, calling Pistons games, I mean, that's just classic. But I, I think the whole, like, if you're a fan of the guy thing, like Jared is kind of saying, I think that does come into play because think about, like, uh, Hawk Harrelson, who used to be the play-by-play guy for the White Sox. Put it on the I don't board. know if you guys, like, ever watched a game with the White Sox <laughs> Tigers or whatever, but he was the, the biggest homer possible for the White Sox. And White Sox fans loved him. I couldn't stand him as a Tigers fan. Yeah. You know, I, I never really liked uh, Mario and Pemba and uh, Rod Allen. I, I, I always thought that was a really not a great crew. I just saw on Twitter that they are both not coming back next year for on Fox Sports Detroit. That's no big surprise, is it? You can see that coming a mile away. Yeah, I I was I wasn't sure both. I thought maybe they'd bring Mario back, but I guess if you're gonna let one go, it, it's probably tough to bring one of them back. Yeah, they had to let them both go. There was no way that one was coming back and the other was gone. I, that makes sense, you know. And it's gonna be I'm gonna tell you right now, it's gonna be Matt Shepard, and uh, and probably they're gonna have Gibby do the majority of the work while he can, and that that's gonna be the the crew. I'm not sure they might get a third one to rotate to fill in on Gibby's schedule, but uh, I think that's who we're going to see. Yeah, I'd be curious, maybe Craig Monroe, if he gets a bigger role. Uh, yeah, I, like, I would guess he would. I like Craig Monroe. Yeah, I he has that enthusiasm. Uh, you know, he might, maybe he, he appeals to the millennials. It's a possibility uh, he could get the job over Gibby, and maybe Gibby fills in. You know, Monroe might get the opportunity. It doesn't matter who's calling the games. I don't know how good they're going to be next year. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, you know, by the way, today we're recording on Tuesday. Today is the exact date. Fifty years ago today, the Tigers clinched over the Cardinals. Mickey Lolich, Game 7 over Bob Gibson. How about that? Nice. Yeah. Had to mix that one in here. Hey, before we wrap up, guys, we got to talk about what happened in Vegas and that whole uh, UFC debacle. That was awesome. <laughs> I am so thankful that I decided to uh, illegally stream that. You did? So you watched it live? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Got it. So listen to this. So I got it from, I was at my buddy's uh after I returned home from the wedding, I was at my buddy's at Western, and we were watching it, and, and we were, this guy was streaming it on a service called Twitch. Are you familiar with that? Uh, oh, yeah. Ted? No. It's like, so it's where... For people going to watch other people play video games, for the most yeah. part. <laughs> okay. Is that, first off, is that just like a crazy idea to you, Ted? Like, people would watch people play video games? Completely asinine. Are you kidding me? <laughs> So this is what the guy was doing. He he was so in order to like so wouldn't get caught. He, in between rounds, he would play Fortnite. <laughs> and to this crowd, the crowd was loving it. It was a perfect mix of just two things that they love for this young college kid crowd that loved Fortnite. So we were watching it, and we ordered some pizza. And the and this is right. The pizza got there right as the fight ended. Right. And the deliver and they open up the door, and all you hear from the TV like I was paying for it. And all you hear from the TV is like the freak out, like when he when uh, Khabib went into the stands. Right. The pizza guy came into the living room and watched the next like fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, that's a great yeah. move by him. Awesome. I mean, he must not have had too many orders left because it was like one a.m. So. Well, let me ask you this. I, I, I'm intrigued by this Twitch thing. So, is this a guy that's playing some video games and then he posted on this site? Like, is he? Does he have his camera on the television that he's paid for the the fight, or how does that work? I don't really know why people do it. I, like I, that was really what I was thinking all the whole time. Like I don't know what this guy gets out of it, but no, it was good quality. It was up. This, it was like there wasn't like he was recording a TV or something. It was right off his computer screen. No kidding. Yeah, you yeah, can like so when you're playing the video games, whether you're on whatever it is, Xbox, your computer, PlayStation. So yeah, he probably had to stream through whatever 
system he was using, and he just switched over to it. It was without a doubt illegal, but but right, like Jared <laughs> said, he would switch back to Fortnite to make it not look so shady. But but there's a dude. I'm sure Jared, you probably know this guy, Ninja. Yep. Yeah, he this dude is famous. Like he is a huge deal. Famous. He was. I think it was the Monday Night Football game at Detroit. He was like the honorary captain, and he is famous just off of playing video games on Twitch. Wow. He built up a big enough following that he is famous off of playing video games on Twitch. So people, they they go out of their way to watch this guy play video games. Yep. Oh, my God. What is this country coming to? <laughs> oh my God! Well, but that fight—it was wild. I don't know. I don't know if you saw it live or after the fact, Ted. But after the fact, yeah. I watched it too live, and it was insane. I thought the fight—I I thought it was a pretty good fight. Khabib is just—I mean, he's a much better wrestler than he is a boxer, so he knew he wouldn't be able to box with McGregor, so he just took him to the ground. But it, that scene was crazy after the fight, like that. That's what happens when you make things personal. You know, McGregor was taking shots at uh, Khabib's country, his family, his dad, and everything. His religion. So you start making things personal like that, and the adrenaline gets flowing. Who knows what's going to happen? Now, was it just the – let me ask you guys both this, because I'm, I'm not on top of, of UFC, but do they check them for steroids? I mean, do they go – do they have drug tests? Yeah, it's it like mandatory so when, stuff. Yeah, it, it like derailed a whole bunch of their uh, big like pay per views. Like John Bones Jones kept getting. So this was this stuff that happened after the fight. Really, was just adrenaline and not ra- not roid rage. No, no, no I, I mean I, it shouldn't be. Yeah, because there's drug testing, so I don't think it was roid rage. I think it honestly was. You know, in thinking about it, it's a sport that promotes like the highest degree of violence that you can really think of for a sport so these dudes are already amped up they're already wanting to fight and Khabib said it after the fight that McGregor made it way too personal he was taking shots he called his family terrorists he called like he he was taking shots at his country his religion because Khabib's Muslim so McGregor was saying stuff about Muslims so like there was a huge personal side to this saying he basically wanted to destroy McGregor. I mean, he wanted he wanted to basically take him out. And, you know, you win the fight. And I can't imagine the emotions that go through you after you win a fight like that. Turned around and saw the trainers running their mouth, too. So he went after him. That, that was insane. I mean, he chokes out McGregor and then just leaps over the fence. And what I want to know, did they ever determine who was the dude in the red shirt that climbed in and took a shot at McGregor? Was he one of uh, Habib's entourage or just a fan? Do you know who that dude was? Yeah, it was one of Habib's uh, entourage, but Conor McGregor didn't even press. Like, there's kind of the thing that came out today, and like I think it was late last night, was that Conor McGregor actually threw a punch before that that oh. like wasn't on camera. Oh. And then those guys jumped in. and so that. Ended up, but it's like Conor didn't end up pressing charges. Right. But what I ended up uh, losing money on, McGregor being a dumb idiot, but did you guys see, and, and I knew it was stupid, right mid-fight, you know what I saw? I saw a video of Khabib as like a, a, a nine-year-old wrestling like a baby bear. Did you guys see that video? <laughs> no. Yeah. It's incredible. He's wrestling a bear as a kid. <laughs> like, this guy, there's a reason that this guy is as good as he is. He, he had never lost to UFC uh, round until some people thought he lost one against McGregor, but we'll never know. But did you, and so, like, that just completely showed you like how ba- like much of a badass this guy was. Well, and what I, what I really think the problem was was there was a disconnect between like fight promo and like what is real. Like that's just like his culture. Like he's Russian. Like I feel like he didn't really understand that it's kind of all the hype of the fight. You know what I mean? He kind of took it as 
took, right. took it to heart where McGregor, I don't think McGregor meant it that way. Yeah, well, McGregor... and, yeah, I get your point. You know, McGregor's just trying to sell the fight. Maybe he's not actually trying to be personal with his attacks or whatever, but it was clear, man. There was he he took it personal because he that that chokehold that he was putting on McGregor when he tapped out, it looked like he was trying not to just like put him to sleep. He was trying to like permanently put him to sleep. Yeah, it, it was it was a killer camel clutch, that's for sure. Did you hear, did you hear what he said after the that his, his like the sanctions his dad is going to give out are going to be a lot worse than uh, like what the UFC does to him? Really? Yeah. I could yeah, I, I, as soon as I heard him say that, I stayed first time I stayed up like all night watching this until like 4 a.m. Wow. I, it, just, it was it was must watch like the press conference and Dana White was just first off you just this is awesome for the UFC for people who say that this is not good for it like I just completely disagree with that but anyway so Khabib said like his dad's gonna his punishment his dad's gonna give him is a lot worse than uh, like anything the UFC uh, is gonna do to him and this reminded me of my like I remember when I lost to uh, Lake Fenton in football and I played like horrible that game I I walked home. Like I as slow as I like I didn't take a ride home with any of my friends. Right? I just walked home as slow as I could because I knew that my brothers were waiting for me. <laughs> and, and luckily enough, they were sleeping when I got there. It worked perfectly. It's all about there, the strategy, that's for sure. Was the same. I, I know exactly how he must be feeling on that flight going home. Well, you know, anybody that thinks that uh, this hurts UFC is nuts. This is going to do nothing. I mean, they're going to have a rematch, aren't they? They should. I mean, uh, Dana White said McGregor's already asked for a rematch, but like there's there's serious consideration for Khabib to be uh, suspended. So I, we don't don't know how all that stuff is going to shake out. But you would think that if Dana White is smart, he's gonna he's gonna figure out a way for there to be a rematch. Oh my Dana god! Dana White is smart, so he's gonna figure out a way. There's no doubt. Now, Ted, can I ask you, have you ever bought uh, like UFC? Because you're big. You've been always been a big boxing pay per view guy. Are you just you're? Are you not a fan of like the UFC? Oh no, I, I, I'm not that big of a of a pay per view guy in general. I mean, I, back in my day, we used to watch the the Tyson fights. Uh, on HBO, and I don't know if you guys caught the news, HBO is now out of the boxing business. I did see that. Which is um, unbelievable to me, and it tells you more about the state of boxing. Uh, there was, I did I did participate in a few pay-per-view boxing matches, but I, I've, to be honest with you, you know, I find UFC is it's a caveman mentality. We all kind of like it. We love this excitement and adrenaline, but it, it I thought about this just recently. This just blows my mind that it's legal. I mean, it really does. I mean, you know, everybody's all concerned about the way they're hitting quarterbacks in the NFL, and yeah, you know, they have a concussion problem in the NFL. But my God, this is human beings in human cockfighting. I mean, that's that's what it essentially is, isn't it? They're there to I beat mean, the I crap mean, and the brains out of the There universe. almost aren't any rules. There, I mean, there's a couple rules, but you can basically go in there and do whatever you want for the most part, and they beat each other to hell. I mean, they, I they really, like, beat the hell out of each other. Now, how how is it legal? That's that's the part that just blows my mind. I mean, like I said, and I said it half jest, cockfighting, you know, chickens fighting, that's illegal. Oh, my God, people frown on that big time. And here's human beings. Is it because they have a, they have a choice, I guess, you know, that they can, they can decide if they want to go in there and get their head beat up? I guess they have a choice, and they're making a ton of money off it. True. I don't know. That's just insane. But it is intense. I, I will say that. And so, uh, are, so are you just out on it though? Like, no, no, I'm not out on it. I just, uh, I, I need to follow it more. I, I'm, a, I'm a McGregor guy. I love McGregor's act. Okay, I love the way that that guy can work a microphone. It kind of reminds me of uh, I used to be in the WWF and WWE after it changed, right? I used to like the guys that could work the mic, and McGregor can work the mic. 
Uh, it does drum up excitement. It is exciting to watch them go at it. I can't deny that. I, I just haven't got on the pay-per-view thing yet. I yeah, did. that's something that ESPN, they, they got on UFC maybe a little bit late, but they did get on UFC so you can get some of the fights on the, the ESPN Plus app. So hopefully they, they can kind of expand the, the fights that they get so they're not all pay-per-view because, yeah, that does turn a lot of people off. But you can you can find a lot of illegal streams and, and watch the fights. But, but you can also, like, if you sit on Twitter and just sit there and refresh it, usually people post videos or yeah. something fairly quickly. So... You can kind of see most of the fight on Twitter, too. That's where I caught most of this one. And, and Jared, as you know, if you have friends that uh, are willing to shell it out, like the McGregor and, and uh, Mayweather fight, I'm all for that. Yeah, that's always cool. You know, you split it four or five ways, yep. and it's not that bad. Yeah. Yeah, I have done that. Uh, I'm, just, I'm 100% in on the UFC. I've, just, I've always loved it uh, since I had the video game as, like, uh like the first like UFC game back probably back in 2008 or 2009. Ever since then, I've just loved it, and I just I never I always wondered how like after watching that like like you mentioned the Floyd Mayweather versus uh, McGregor fight like, that was just such a snooze fest compared to yeah even like the most average UFC like I've never bought a UFC card and been disappointed. Well, and you said you're up till four in the morning watching it. You, your adrenaline. There's no way you could have gone to sleep, right? No, not at all. And it was like in. And like and Dana White, he's just such an awesome. Like he's probably one of the my he's probably my favorite owner of all the. And I, and I don't want to say it's a big time sport. Oh, but I don't know. He just does a really nice. Like he's just so candid. Like he's gonna tell you what he thinks at all times, and I can just respect that. Yeah, Dana White is great, and then Joe Rogan, you know, calling calling the fights and doing all his stuff. He's he's great too. Yeah, yeah the UFC awesome. is cool. I mean, it's an up and coming sport, but I think I don't know if it'll ever get like as big as even say even maybe hockey or baseball. It's probably as big as those sports, but because I think a lot of people do have a problem with the violence. I think with boxing, maybe you can get by it a little bit because, like you said, that you don't really see guys just, like, bludgeon people that bad anymore. <laughs> but I, I think maybe a lot of people do have a little bit of problem with just, like, the sheer violence of the UFC so that they don't buy in as much. Well, not only that, do they really have the uh, the talent pool? I mean, is there is there that many people that want to be UFC fighters that can put on a show like those guys did? Yeah, I mean, maybe not as much as like when when boxing was in it when it was in its heyday. You know, maybe not. And I think too, I've I've heard guys talk about it that it's actually pretty tough for some of these UFC guys, like the top tier guys, to stay at the top, like be really good for a long time just because of the i mean it's you you can only imagine what the toll it takes on your body oh yeah realistically i mean how many fights do they have in them i mean don't you think mcgregor's probably on the downhill slide now i mean is he gonna is he gonna get the big money fights anymore other than if he gets a rematch here i mean is he does he have many more fights left in him well he is the same age as khabib is like the thing that kind of was why everyone was saying how good khabib really is like that's kind of is like the belief that McGregor missed his like prime, yeah. but they're the same age. Is uh, Habib or is it? How do you say it? Khabib. Khabib. Yeah. He, he's what twenty four and zero or twenty five and zero? So he's had twenty five pro fights. I think twenty six and zero. How many? Yeah. Is, how many has McGregor had? He's twenty one and four or twenty one and five. I'm okay. not sure which one. So I, I just wonder how many? How much? How much life do you have? I mean, can you get thirty fights and be competitive in all of them? I mean, I, I don't know. It's got to be. I think these guys can always get fights, maybe against you know lower lower guys or whatever. Yeah. Tomato but cans. like to be at the top, fighting for the the belt. Right. Yeah, I don't know how long you can do that. Right. 
I was going to tell you guys a story about uh, we're talking UFC. I don't know if, if, if Jared, have you ever gone to a fight, like a live fight? No, I haven't. I heard that the hotel here like in Owasa used to host boxing matches. That would be awesome. I've always wanted to go to one. I was the ring announcer at one of them. Oh, that were you? Awesome. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. Yeah, it was fun. Nice. It was boxing, though, right? It Not was like... boxing, yeah, but at the Comstock Inn in Owasso, they put a ring right in the middle of the concourse, and they had seats all the way around. It, it was pretty impressive. Did was... you have any idea, like, what, were you kind of just, like, winging it? Did you have any idea how to announce one? No, no, I actually, I did some prep work for it. I, I watched a couple videos on announcers. You know, the Michael Buffer thing was real popular back then, you know, and uh, I had to study up on it a little bit. Actually, I had a I had a boxing license I had to sign up for through the state of Michigan, so. Oh, yeah, because Probably, I mean, it's a legit sanctioned fight, right? It was. This was a professional fights in Owasso, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I do remember hearing about that. A girl that I used to went to go to high school with, I, her brother was one that fought. Um, he, he's a professional fighter, actually, but um, we used to go to fights. We only went twice, but some of my friends went more at Pirani Arena or the IMA, you know, whatever it's called now in Flint. Oh, yeah. They used to hold uh, MMA fights quite fairly often, and we would go sometimes because it was like, I don't know, five bucks to get in. They'd have, like, dollar beers, dollar hot dogs, and they would have a ring in the middle, basically the same thing, but at Pirani Arena. And it, it basically was like dudes that were looking to make a couple hundred bucks, you know, right. in a fight. They'd just sign up and go fight in the octagon for a little bit and make some money. But it's crazy how, like, even in that kind of environment, I don't know if it's a guy thing. I don't know if it's. Hmm the beer flowing, I don't know if it's just the fighting, your adrenaline, even as a spectator, gets going when you're watching these people fight. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Oh, you're yelling, right? You're just yelling out. Yeah, you're just yelling. <laughs> I mean, you're getting a little little uh, tuned up a little bit, and, you know, you're having a good time watching these guys just beat the hell out of each other. It was just funny, though, there, because, like, you'd go to the bathroom, and then, like, some of these fighters would be, like, in the bathroom with you. So they were just, like, like I said, they were just dudes. It's almost like they signed up that night to go fight. Wow. Well, have you seen, like, the uh, Rough and Rowdy that uh, yes. Barstool Barstool Sports does. Have either of you guys seen that? I've seen, I have, I've yeah, seen yeah. clips. I, I, actually, I would be interested in a pay-per-view of one of those. Yeah, it's only like 20 <laughs> bucks. Uh, I think you would enjoy it. I, th- I watched just the one this past weekend. It, it's hilarious. It's a, it's a lot like what Matt just explained. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, sort of the same sort of dynamic. Well, back in the day, there was a guy out of Saginaw. I think his name was Steve Dore or something like that. But he's, he's the guy that started the Tough Man contest. Do you remember hearing about that? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was just with... Regular people, they'd come to an arena, they'd have a promotion, and they'd they'd lace up the gloves and have boxing matches, and it was just intense. That was kind of the, the, the precursor, really, to UFC. Well, good stuff, boys. That'll do it for now. To all our listeners out there, share this three-point podcast with all your friends. Subscribe on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, or TuneIn. Give us a rating. Fire up a comment on our podcast page. You can follow us on Twitter at 3PointPod, or you can email us at 3PointPod at gmail.com. And again, thanks to our partners, Rivals Taphouse and Grill, the Corona Connection, Corona Public Schools, and Z92.5 The Castle. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan production. Until next time, thanks for listening to 3Point Podcast.